Hello, hello, and welcome to The Art of Being You with me, Rachel Wortman. You guys, this podcast is all about learning to be who God created you to be, embracing that person, and ultimately living your best life with Jesus. We've got a lot of great content today, so let's get to it in The Art of Being You. Welcome to the podcast, everybody. Welcome to the art of being you. I am so glad you're taking some time today to listen to this episode. Listen, what we're talking about today has been running on repeat in my mind for several weeks now. And I finally said, God, what do you want me to do with this? And I feel like it's a word for some of you. So I'm asking the Holy Spirit to help open our eyes and ears together as we explore this concept, because today we're talking about What does it look like to get unstuck? So I think you and I both know what it's like to get stuck. Am I right? I mean, we all know what it feels like to be stuck in some sort of infinite time loop where it feels like we just keep repeating the same things. But how do we actually get unstuck? What are the things that we can do to change that in our lives? And that's what we're looking at today. So Here's the truth. For the last couple of weeks, this phrase has been running on my mind on repeat night and day is how it feels. And it's Newton's first law of motion. And I know I'm a mega nerd. I get it. But here's what it says. An object at rest tends to stay at rest and an object in motion tends to stay in motion. If you look up Newton's direct quote about this law, this is what he actually says. An object in motion stays in motion, but an object at rest stays at rest unless it is compelled to change that state by forces pressed upon it. Unless it is compelled to change that state by forces pressed upon it. Now, I know what you're thinking and don't tune out yet. We're not going to get into physics. Today, we are looking at the spiritual application to this statement, which I believe is so significant. Think about it this way. In your life with Jesus, it is so much easier when you are moving forward with God for God to help you pivot, change directions, add to what you're already doing. It is very difficult from God's perspective. Of course, you know, is anything too hard from the Lord? No, it's not. But it's difficult to get somebody moving. It's much more difficult to get them moving than it is to change their direction when they're already moving. Think about this for a second. So if you've ever been stuck in your life, you know what it feels like. It feels like you have this force pressing against you, wanting to keep you stuck. And I really like how Newton says that unless it is compelled to change that state by forces pressed upon it. How many of you know that being stuck is not what God wants for you? It's not what God has for you, but to get out of that state is going to require some force. And we're going to talk about that more in a minute. I want us to think for a second about what it's like to listen to a record. I was listening to a pastor the other day and he was giving this analogy about time on a, on a record, you know, like one of those old ones with the little needle. And it was a great analogy. And it got me thinking about an object in motion and an object at rest. Why? Well, because that's the only thing I've been thinking about for the last few weeks. And, and what I realized was sometimes the record gets a scratch it gets a divot in it and it won't play or it gets hung up on the same couple notes, right? You guys know what I'm talking about. And so we could sing a line of a song and then it becomes the age old phrase, like a broken record because it just keeps going around the same thing. 
You and I are subject to experiencing broken record seasons in our life with Jesus. It is a normal human condition, but it's not what God wants for us. I like how Pastor Rodney Hogue says it this way. He says, there is no parking in the kingdom of God. What does he mean by that? Well, sometimes we think we can just camp out here for a little while. And what's the harm in that, right? Because it seems innocent enough. But the truth of the matter is that we're either moving forward in the kingdom or we're sliding backwards. There's no parking. There's no stopping. There's no plateau because the kingdom of heaven is a constantly forward motion kingdom. Now, that doesn't mean things are always looking up for you. Sometimes the forward motion is through the valley, through the difficult place that God is is dealing with us and, and you know challenging us. My old pastor, my first spiritual father, he would say it like this. He talked about the joy tube and he likened the uh, journey with Jesus to being toothpaste inside of a, a toothpaste tube, right? And we're going to squeeze it out. And there's seasons of life where we're being squeezed by God through this little tube. And the challenge is to find the joy as we're being pumped through the little opening on a tube. And I think that's absolutely true. But even in those seasons, we're still moving forward because we're gaining ground. So let's talk for a second about what happens when we get stuck. I got three things for you today about the types of things that cause us to get stuck. And the first one is this, we get stuck from things that we have done. Now I'm going to tell you a super embarrassing story here. And, uh, I'm going to ask you to pretend like you have not heard this story if you see me in person sometime soon, but because it's super embarrassing. But I've decided that I, I think I don't want to drive a minivan anymore. So I've been a, a minivan mom for, I think, almost 13 years. Uh, and I've loved it. It's a fantastic car when your kids are little, but my kids are kind of getting older now. And I kind of woke up one day a couple months ago and thought, I'm done with a van. I, I don't want to do a van anymore. So we've been in the process of trying to figure out what kind of car can my family of six fit into that makes sense. And if you know me personally, you know both my husband and I are very tall and our kids are very tall. So the options are limited. Well, we had no school recently and I said, okay, here's my opportunity. I'm taking the kids. I'm going to go get into a couple cars and I'm going to watch them get in and out and see if we can physically fit into some of these sort of midsize SUVs, which is what I was kind of hoping for. So we go to the Kia dealership in Edmond, Oklahoma, about 20 minutes from me. And, and I walk on the property and I just started feeling spiritually off. And I'm going to leave that for another podcast for another day of what it's like when you're a discerner in that way. But I just was in a funk. It, the second I stepped on the property, I was in a funk. And long story short, when we left, I was sitting in my car, pulling up the directions to the next dealership we were going to, and someone had parked a very tiny little Kia directly behind me, not in a parking space, but in the road. And I'm sure you can guess what I did. I backed right into it. And I felt like someone, if you ever read the Scarlet Letter book, you you know, I had to read back in the 90s, but for school, but I felt like somebody put a big scarlet letter on me and it became a real sense of shame because the reality is I have not caused damage to an automobile in like 15, 17, maybe 18 years. It has been a long time. And I was only going about two miles per hour. Thank you, Jesus. But I rear-ended this little tiny Kia. It did nothing to the Kia and it knocked the bumper off my van. How is that possible? I don't know. I tried to pull myself together while the people came out and tried to convince me to just trade in the car. It was one of those really awkward experiences in life. 
But here's the truth. In the last couple of weeks that I've been driving around with a messed up bumper because I've been waiting on trying to figure out what we're going to do about fixing it, where we're going to take it, I realized I've been carrying a little bit of shame. And I say this as an example because this is a silly example of something we all do, right? We make a mistake and we carry a sense of shame from it. We carry this feeling like I know better I knew better, but I made this mistake and now everybody looks at me like I am a failure or I'm a terrible driver or, you know, whatever the case may be in your situation. And that can be a doorway for us to get stuck in our faith. Why? Because when we begin to buy into the lie that the enemy is, it's like him luring a little raccoon into a trap with a little Hershey kiss. I don't know. Uh, I don't think that's how you lure raccoons into a trap, but it's like we're, the enemy is laying out this little thing and we begin to come into agreement with it. We begin to sit with it and then we're trapped in this cycle of being stuck. So the first thing that happens to us, one of the categories is a better way to say that, is that we get stuck by the decisions that we make. If you have ever made a decision that turned out to be a failure, this episode is for you. Make sure you don't cut out early before we talk about how to get unstuck, because I'm telling you, you do not have to stay stuck. You do not have to stay in the place where you are condemned continually for the mistakes that you've made. And that should make you say amen. Amen. All right. The second thing that happens when we get stuck is the things that happen to us. This one is the most easy to identify with, right? We all feel stuck by things that happened to us. And that could be whether you were the victim of abuse or you were abandoned by a a father or a mother or at a relationship or you've been um, cheated on or you've been fired unjustly from a job or whatever the case may be. You've been racially profiled, you've been economically profiled, you've been treated badly. And those situations absolutely can cause us to get stuck, why? because it begins to change the narrative of our identity. It begins to make us feel like this is our lot in life, that we're going to be the kind of person that gets victimized, that we're going to be the kind of person that gets cheated on, that it becomes sort of like an ethos into our personality. And that is not what God wants. But again, with the raccoon and the Hershey kiss in the trap, right? What is the enemy trying to do through this? He's trying to make you feel like you are not worth moving forward. Because if this had been happened to you, if somebody could do this to you, treat you in this way, well, then wouldn't, and God didn't stop it, right? Isn't that the lie we all believe? If God didn't stop it, then what does that mean about how God feels about me? And I'm telling you, if you have ever thought that phrase in your life, that is a lie from the pit of hell. What it means is that God wants to break you out of that cycle, that God is not always in control of every single action someone does. There is a thing where people choose to sin against what God wants. And so it's not that God couldn't intervene or didn't intervene or didn't want to intervene. It's that he in his wisdom is working in you now in a way he may not have been able to do while you were being wronged. So we get stuck from things that we've done. We get stuck from things that have happened to us. And the last one, and of course it goes into what I was just talking about, but We get stuck because of the things we perceive God has done to us. 
This one has probably been my biggest challenge in my life with Jesus, that the things that I felt like, God, you could have done this differently, or God, you flat out did do this, you know? And I remember I've told this story before about um, me genuinely believing I was going to have a supernatural childbirth with my first child and and thought it would be completely pain-free as a 23-year-old super naive person who's afraid of needles. And and I remember as my baby was being delivered, all simultaneously feeling the joy of that moment and also feeling this dagger driving into my soul that God had wronged me. And I know this is such a silly example, but to me, it was not silly. It was absolutely deafening in the spirit realm because I believed God had said something that he did not say. And I will never forget a few months of cold silence from me to the Lord and and my husband, my amazing husband said, hey, you know what? Today I'm going to keep the baby and you're going to go spend time with Jesus. And I said, oh, no, thanks. You know, I'll probably go run some errands. He said, oh, oh, I think you misheard me. I wasn't giving a suggestion. And my husband very rarely puts his foot down, but he said, you're going to go spend time with Jesus. You're going to make this right in your heart because it's eating you alive. And I went to this park and I sat with the Lord and I said, God, this is how I feel that you wronged me. I asked you so many times if you were in this. I asked you to verify. I felt that you did verify. I felt like this was a safe place to put my faith. And here I am just destitute. How can I ever believe you again when you didn't come through in this way? And I sat there looking over this serene, beautiful water on this park in Waco, Texas, and I heard the Lord so gently say to me, Rachel, your fear was so strong, it became like my voice to you. Your fear of of the needles of the childbirth process, it became so strong in you that it masqueraded, it, it became an imposter of my voice to you, and you perceived me to say something I never said. And, ooh, man, something broke off of me in that moment. It took a while for me to fully embrace. In fact, to be completely candid with you, and I know you guys know I I don't mind being vulnerable with you guys in this setting, but it was about five, six years later that I felt the confidence to truly believe God for myself again. Now, of course, it didn't, you know, we all kind of believe God for other people, but it's believing God for yourself that I think is the greatest test of our faith. So we get stuck. We get stuck from things that we've done. We get stuck from things people have done to us. And then again, we get stuck by things we perceived God to do. And regardless of how you ended up stuck, we got to get out of it. We can't stay there. I've seen so many people, myself included, waste years of our life staying in this stuck place because we don't know what to do with the disappointment that we feel. We don't know what to do with the anger that we feel. I remember one time a pastor saying to me, you know, until you get honest about anger, you can't really get free from it. And I thought to myself, well, I don't really have a problem with anger. And the Lord began to talk to me. He said, but you actually hate this particular person. I said, oh, Lord, you know I don't hate them because I know in my heart that's wrong to hate somebody, right? You're not supposed to. And God began to say, if you will not acknowledge that you actually hate them, I cannot move in your life to change your perspective. Whew. So I said, fine, Lord, feels really uncomfortable, but I'll be honest with you. I do hate that person. I I think they're ridiculous. I wish that they sometimes were not alive, as terrible as that sounds. And, And that when I began to be honest about it, 
to begin to be honest with the grossness of my flesh, God began to come in and change my perspective and give me a vision for this person. And even though there's still boundaries in place with them, I began to actually love them, to be able to see them as God sees them. But how many of us waste so much time being stuck because we don't want to engage with God? We're afraid of what he's going to say. We're nervous that we're going to be told we're wrong. You know, whatever the case may be, we don't want to feel like a failure. And so we just don't pursue the answer that we need. But I'm here to tell you that the Holy Spirit includes something called a spirit of understanding. So in Isaiah and in Revelation, there's this thing, it's called the seven spirits of God. And I'm not going to list them all for you, but one of them is the spirit of understanding. And what I believe that God wants for you is to bring you into a place of understanding. But just like we talked about a couple weeks ago, how God treated Thomas, right? He actually answered Thomas's doubt, but then he gave a blessing for others to come into a higher place if they'll believe without seeing. And this is what it's like with understandings. Philippians tells us that there's a peace that surpasses understanding. So God will bring understanding with you for you, but it'll also bring you into a higher place where you no longer need it. And so my challenge to you is let's start applying force to the state of your stuckness. Let's go back to Sir Isaac Newton's law of motion. An object at rest stays at rest unless it is compelled to change by forces pressed upon it. So if you're sitting here listening to this right now and you're going, okay, I recognize this area of my life I'm stuck in. Maybe it's a stuck in, in health, right? And, and negative eating patterns, or maybe it's mental health and negative thought patterns. Maybe it's, it's just feeling like you can't talk to God because of what you've been through. Whatever the reason that you are stuck in, here are three things you can do to get out. The first thing, this is so important. Define who you want to be. Define who you want to be. So let's go back to the broken record analogy. You know that moment when the record is so damaged that it cannot be played anymore and you actually have to skip over that section to be able to move the song along. As I was praying for this podcast recording, I felt like the Lord was saying there's some times that we have to just settle and make peace with what was with what happened so we can literally move past it. This is the experience I'm having with the bumper of my minivan. I'm having to just settle. I'm not a bad driver, even though I made a bad driving mistake. I'm not a terrible person, even though I have a blemish on my car, right? We have to like settle. This is who I am and then move past it. Literally pick the needle up and start fresh on another line of the record. So that's the first step. Define who you want to be. Do you want to be somebody who isn't stuck? Okay, that's good. Do you want to be somebody who's stuck? Okay, define that. When you begin to set the definition, it will give you a standard to begin to rise towards. So that's step one. Step two, apply pressure, the good kind. You know, uh, when somebody's bleeding, right? What do we got to do? We got to stop the bleeding. How do you stop the bleeding? You apply pressure, sometimes a lot of pressure. And I think this is what the spiritual application of Newton's law of motion is for you and I, that it will require pressure for you to get up and going if you've been stuck for a long time. If you've been stuck in your relationship with Jesus because you're not sure why he did something or you're confused about who he is to you or, or all the challenges that we have when we step out in faith, 
Here's what you got to do. You got to decide to move forward and you got to push yourself to move forward because an object at rest is going to stay at rest. When you've been stuck for this long, unless you do something different, you're going to stay stuck. So we're going to define who you want to be. We're going to apply the good kind of pressure. And lastly, get moving, get moving. You got to change your routine, read a new book, spend time with God. If you haven't for a long time, get into a small group, get onto it like a coaching, you know, online, there's so many coaching opportunities. Now get into some coaching, get some help or change something and get moving. I remember a couple of years ago, kind of coming to the place of going, you know, I, I want to be a healthier person. And then, and then a year later going, I think I decided I wanted to be a healthier person, but here I am and not much has changed. Right. And then six months later going, Oh no, now I'm just stuck. I want this, but I'm not actually doing anything different. And so I had to apply pressure and get moving. And it's been interesting, uh, as I began to focus on <clears throat> building habits building perspective, choosing the person I want to be instead of the person who I had become, health began to flow. It began, it became easier to maneuver around making better choices. So this is just one example. We could apply this into every area that you're stuck in, probably except deep, deep, deep emotional trauma. But even in that, I would say, get a counselor, start doing the work because you're going to stay stuck unless you apply pressure and get moving. So I hope this was helpful for you today. Listen, I'm praying for you. May we be the kind of people who are not stuck, who are running hard after Jesus, who are in motion. You know, here's the last thing I want to say. Sometimes when you're in motion, you can still take hits, right? You still hurt. I was jogging this morning and my knee was hurting while I was jogging. Sometimes when we're moving, it's not always pleasant, but here's the key. An object in motion can stay in motion. So if I'm moving closer to God and I take a hit in my faith, if I will keep moving, it will work itself out. I will be able to see God's healing. I'll be able to see his understanding. I'll be able to have connection with him and I won't move into withdrawal as long as I keep moving forward. So that's my blessing over you today. I love you guys. Have a fantastic day. Until next time, be blessed. So you've just listened to The Art of Being You with Rachel Wartman. I hope you enjoyed this episode of my podcast. And listen, it would mean the world to me if you would subscribe and rate or review this podcast on wherever you're listening from. Also, share it with a friend. Help me get the word out. Until next time, be blessed. <laughs>